They should have lived together deep in woods, unseen as sings the nightingale. They were unfit to mix in these thick solitudes called social, haunts of hate and vice and care. How lonely every free-born creature broods. The sweetest songbirds nestle in a pair. The eagle soars alone. The gull and crow flock o'er their carrion, just like men below. Now pillowed cheek to cheek in loving sleep, Heidi and Juan their siesta took. A gentle slumber, but it was not deep, For ever and anon something shook Juan, And shuddering o'er his frame would creep, And Heidi's sweet lips murmured like a brook A wordless music, and her face so fair Stirred with her dream as rose leaves with the air, Or as the stirring of a deep dear stream Within an alpine hollow, when the wind walks o'er it, was she shaken by the dream, the mystical usurper of the mind, or powering us to be whate'er may seem good to the soul which we no more can bind, strange state of being, for tis still to be, senseless to feel, and with sealed eyes to see. She dreamed of being alone on the seashore, chained to a rock. She knew not how, but stir she could not from the spot, and the loud roar grew, and each wave rose roughly, threatening her, and o'er her upper lip they seemed to pour until she sobbed for breath, and soon they were foaming o'er her lone head, so fierce and high, each broke to drown her, yet she could not die. Anon she was released, and then she strayed o'er the sharp shingles with her bleeding feet and stumbled almost every step she made, and something rolled before her in a sheet, which she must still pursue, howe'er afraid, t'was white and indistinct, nor stopped to meet her glance nor grasp, for still she gazed and grasped and ran, but it escaped her as she clasped. The dream changed. In a cave she stood, its walls were hung with marble icicles, the work of ages on its water-fretted hulls, where waves might wash and seals might breed and lurk, her hair was dripping and the very balls of her black eyes seemed turned to tears, and murk the sharp rocks looked below each drop they caught, which froze to marble as it fell, she thought, and wet and cold and lifeless at her feet, pale as the foam that frothed on his dead brow, which she essayed in vain to clear. How sweet were once her cares, how idle seemed they now, lay wan nor could aught renew the beat of his quenched heart, and the sea dirges low rang in her sad ears like a mermaid's song, and that brief dream appeared a life too long. And gazing on the dead she thought his face faded, or altered into something new, like to her father's features, till each trace more like and like to Lambro's aspect grew, with all his keen, worn look and Grecian grace, and starting she awoke, and what to view? O oh, powers of heaven, what dark eye meets she there? Tis, tis her father's, fixed upon the pair. Then shrieking she arose, and shrieking fell with joy and sorrow, hope and fear, to see him whom she deemed a habitant where dwell the ocean buried, risen from death, to be perchance the death of one she loved too well, dear as her father had been to Heidi. It was a moment of that awful kind. I have seen such, but must not call to mind. 
Up Juan sprung to Heidi's bitter shriek and caught her falling, and from off the wall snatched down his saber, in hot haste to wreak vengeance on him who was the cause of all. Then Lambro, who till now forbore to speak, smiled scornfully, and said, Within my call a thousand scimitars await the word. Put up, young man, put up your silly sword. And Heidi clung around him. Juan, Juan, tis, tis Lambro, tis my father. Kneel with me, he will forgive us, yes, it must be, yes. Oh, dearest father, in this agony of pleasure and of pain, even while I kiss thy garment's hem with transport, can it be that doubt should mingle with my filial joy? Deal with me as thou wilt, but spare this boy. High and inscrutable the old man stood, calm in his voice and calm within his eye, not always signs with him of calmest mood. He looked upon her but gave no reply, then turned to Juan, in whose cheek the blood oft came and went as there resolved to die. In arms at least he stood, in act to spring on the first foe whom Lambro's call might bring. Young man, your sword, so Lambro once more said. Juan replied, Not while this arm is free. The old man's cheek grew pale, but not with dread, and drawing from his belt a pistol, he replied, your blood be then on your own head, then looked close at the flint as if to see twas fresh, for he had lately used the lock, and next proceeded quietly to cock. It has a strange quick jar upon the ear, that cocking of a pistol, when you know a moment more will bring the sight to bear upon your person, twelve yards off or so, a gentlemanly distance, not too near if you have got a former friend for foe, but after being fired at once or twice, the ear becomes more Irish and less nice. Lambro presented, and one instant more had stopped this canto and Don Juan's breath, when Heidi threw herself her boy before, stern as her sire. On me, she cried, let death descend. The fault is mine, this fatal shore he found but sought not. I have pledged my faith. I love him, I will die with him. I knew your nature's firmness. Know your daughter's, too. But carpe diem, Juan, carpe, carpe. Tomorrow sees another race as gay and transient and devoured by the same harpy. Life's but a poor player. Then play out the play of Ellen's. Above all, keep a sharp eye much less on what you do than what you say. Be hypocritical. Be cautious. Be not what you seem but always what you see. But how shall I relate in other cantos of what befell our hero in the land, which tis the common cry and lie to vaunt as a moral country? But I hold my hand, for I disdain to write an Atalantis. But tis as well at once to understand you are not a moral people, and you know it without the aid of too sincere a poet. What Juan saw and underwent shall be my topic with, of course, the due restriction which is required by proper courtesy. And recollect, the work is only fiction, and that I sing of neither mine nor me, though every scribe in some slight turn of diction will hint illusions never meant. Ne'er doubt this. When I speak, I don't hint, but speak out. Whether he married with the third or fourth offspring of some sage husband-hunting countess, or whether with some virgin of more worth— I mean in fortune's matrimonial bounties, 
he took to regularly peopling earth, of which your lawful, lawful wedlock fount is, or whether he was taken in for damages, for being too excursive in his homages, is yet within the unread events of time. Thus far, go forth, thou lay, which I will back against the same given quantity of rhyme, for being as much the subject of attack as ever yet was any work sublime, by those who love to say that white is black, so much the better. I may stand alone, but would not change my free thoughts for a throne.